Amen. Good evening, everyone. How's everybody doing this Christmas Eve? How is everybody doing this Christmas Eve? You should be the happiest people in, on the face of the planet. You should be the happiest people because you know Jesus. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you're happy. I know it. I can see it on your face. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life. But there's a reason to still celebrate. Amen. Wow, it's been a great, great season already. Great things happen. You know, you know, yesterday morning I was talking about just wanting to see Jesus, jealous about the glory of God, and kind of, you know, saying, you know, I'm not really a real, real believer, you know, and in the fact that, you know, Santa comes to town, and I'm in the shower tonight, and I'm getting ready for service, and all of a sudden I hear these horns and all of these fire trucks coming down, and they stop at my house, and Santa gets off the fire engine I'm just saying I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying I still believe in Jesus amen uh, but but it's great great tonight to have every one of you here today maybe you're with us tonight and uh, you're our guest thank you for coming out to be with us did you not enjoy mosaic tonight that was great amen love it man love it love it that's what we need at Christmas time amen and, uh, well, we want to really make you feel welcome tonight. So if you're our guest tonight, please make sure that you stop off at the hospitality desk after the service is over with. And they want to give you a free gift just to come and be with us tonight. We want to say hello to everybody that's in the balcony tonight. You're closer to heaven. Come on, balcony. Give me a shout today. And uh, those that are in the overflow tonight, we want to say welcome as well. And we're glad that you're with us tonight. And uh, those that are watching via live stream, I got, my, my daughter Julia called me and she said, Dad, Dad, you're talking right now and they're hearing you over live stream. I was telling Ellie, Ellie, it's Jesus' birthday. It's Jesus' birthday while I was sitting right there. But everybody in the whole world heard me talking while they were singing. So how many of you just forgive me for that? All right, just forgive me. Say, I forgive you pastor steve for talking during worship i was just so excited about jesus's birthday hey I, I want you to really um for a moment close your eyes and i i want to pray that god would really touch all of our hearts today so let's close our eyes and let's pray and ask the lord's blessing tonight lord i pray tonight that you would speak to us through your word god Help us, Lord God, as we glance into your word today, Father God, that we would see that there's a place that we all need to go to. And Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, that you're going to touch our hearts, Lord, and you're going to speak to us. And I pray for anyone here that has a broken heart, God. Lord, for anyone who has lost somebody in this year, Lord, God, help them to know there's a place called home. Lord, I pray that you would touch their hearts and that you would bring comfort and peace. I pray, Father, for those that are struggling tonight, Lord God, in any way, God. Lord, maybe they're addicted to something that they need to be set free from, Lord. I pray tonight that the Lord who sets us free, Lord, would set them free, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, for every person in this room. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. An, elderly, an elderly man in Phoenix called his doctor's son in New York City. Your mother and I are getting a divorce. Divorce after 53 years? What are you talking about, Dad? Son, 
53 years is about 50 years too long living with that woman. We really don't understand what's really what's going on with each other. We don't understand each other anymore. We, we can't talk to each other anymore. We can't communicate anymore. Dad, I can't believe this. Hold on. I'm going to call my sister and I'm going to get back to you. The son calls his attorney sister in Chicago. Sis, you're not going to believe what dad just told me. He just called me and he told me after 53 years that dad and mom are, are getting divorced. What? That's crazy, she said. I'll call them right now. And we better get down there as soon as possible so that we can talk them out of this. The sister calls the dad. In Phoenix, dad, this is just crazy. Besides, I'm a lawyer. Don't say anything. Don't do anything until your, your son and I get down to Phoenix and talk to you about all that you're about to do. The man hangs up the phone and turns to his wife and says, well, dear, that settles it. The kids are coming home for Christmas, and they'll be paying for it themselves. <laughs> Welcome home, everyone. Welcome home. Welcome to Bethlehem Assembly of God, because we believe that Bethlehem is where the journey begins. Welcome home because we believe that Bethlehem Assembly of God is home. It's home for anyone who wants to be a part of this incredible family that we call Bethlehem. In fact, I don't know if he's here today, but James, James has a special birthday tonight. I don't, I don't see him. He might be coming to the second service, but if you're here, James, you know who I'm talking about. Your birthday is tonight, and I just wanted to say happy birthday and welcome to the family. James has been coming to the Bethlehem Assembly of God for a few months, and the truth is James lost his son this year, and I'm praying for him, and I just want to let James, I want you to know if you're watching via live stream, wherever you are, Happy birthday, because Bethlehem is a family. It's a family. We are family. In fact, I want you to practice with me. Are you ready? We, those guys sounded really good, didn't they? They sounded amazing tonight, but we are the choir tonight. Are you ready? On the count of three, I want you to sing, we are family. All right, are you ready? One, two, three. We are family. Oh, wow. That was amazing. That was just simply amazing. But I want to say again, welcome home. It was the year 1943 when Ben Crosby scored a top 10 hit with the song entitled, I'll Be Home for Christmas. And I'll Be Home for Christmas has since become a Christmas classic. You can't turn on the radio during Christmas time and not hear Ben Crosby sing, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Now, the song actually comes from a viewpoint of a soldier overseas during World War II writing a letter back to his family. In the message, he tells his family that he's coming home and get ready and prepare for the holidays. And his dream would be for white snow, for romantic mistletoe and lots of presents under the tree. The song actually ends on a melancholy note because he says, I'll be home for Christmas if only, if only, 
in my dreams. There's something about home. There's, there's something about being home. Now, I, I know that there's a lot of difficult relationships in our life. How many of you have a difficult relationship in your life? Raise your hand. Don't look at your husband right now. That's not a good time. Don't look at your wife right now. That's not a good time, right? But, but, but all of us, we have a difficult relationship. It might be somebody at work. It might be somebody at school or college. or Maybe it might be somebody at home. Because we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a fallen world. And the truth is, sometimes it's difficult. Relationships are just difficult. But home is where the heart is. Home is where the heart belongs. There's, not, there's no place in the world like home. I remember when my daughter Janine was a missionary and she was away from home for three years and there were a couple of years where she could not come home for Christmas. That was tough for me. I still kind of get a lump in my throat thinking to myself, I want all my kids, all my grandchildren. I have two now. You want to see some pictures? I have them right here. And there's nothing like going home. You see these videos, these videos on the news or on Facebook about soldiers that surprise their loved ones when they come home. I saw the cutest one of all a couple of days ago, a soldier hid in a box. Did you see that one? He, he was hiding in a box and they told the son that, 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 that there was a big present and, and they wanted him to open it up early, you know, and so he opened up the box and out came his older brother. That was so cool. It made me cry. It's so cool to see that. Home is where you, you feel comfortable, hopefully. Home is where you kick off your shoes and, and you put on your sweats you sit down on the couch and you, you hang out. It's a place where you laugh, hopefully. It's a place where you gather together with family. It's a place where you call home. Not just a house, but home. Home is a refuge. Home should be a place we go where everyone knows our name. Home is where we usually feel that we can be ourselves. Home is where the heart is. It's where we feel safe. It's where we feel warm and secure. And the truth is, there's no place like home. In fact, I love to go on vacation. How many of you like to go on vacation? Let me see your hands. I, I love to go on vacation. I need one right now. I'm going to take an offering. Anybody want to? No, I'm just kidding. But, but, but I love to go on vacation. I, I, I love to travel around the world and see things. But then there comes a point. You know, it's cool. I love it. You get to get up in the morning. You don't have to make your bed. You go have breakfast. You don't have to make breakfast. You know, you could just relax and do whatever you want to do. You don't have to show up at work. But somewhere along that vacation time, I start longing for my own bed. There's nothing like your own bed. You know what I'm talking I mean, it could be like 92 years old, but it's your bed. You just sink into it. It knows all the lumps. It knows all the bumps, you know. It knows, it knows how you feel, <laughs> you know. And, and it's just like when you get home, it's like there's nothing like being home. I, I, I go on a lot of missionary trips. When I go away on missionary trips, I, I, I love doing the work of God. 
I love traveling and preaching around the world. I love going to Cuba and Romania and, and Jamaica, man. Yeah, man. I love Jamaica, man. Yeah, the glory goes good. The ackee and salt fish, a little salty at times, but it's good. It's good. But, but there's nothing like getting on a plane and, and landing in good old New York. Or, or driving on the Belt Parkway and you go over the Verrazano Bridge and, and you see that big sign. I love that sign. Forget about it. <laughs> You're in Brooklyn, New York. Man, it's just great, man, with the graffiti, you know, all the paper on the sides of the road. I mean, in Florida, it's nice and clean. There's no paper in the road. Man, I like to see that little paper on the side. Then I know I'm home. You know what I'm talking about. It's, there's nowhere like, like, like home. Home is, is where the heart is. And for the next few moments tonight, I want to speak to you about going home. Really going home for Christmas. Not just a house. Not just a familiar place. Not even to family, even though we, we love our family. Why? Because... Wow. This is the slow crowd. This is the slow cloud. Let's try it again because we are. There you go. Now you got. I'll give you one more shot at it. We are. There you go. There you go. But I'm not, I'm not just talking about family. I want to speak to you about going home to your father's house, to your father's house. And I want to tell you a, f a familiar story in the scriptures. It's found in, in Luke chapter 15. Let me, let me read it to you. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. He was a wild man. After he had spent everything, there was a, a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. Everybody say, he fed the pigs. He longed to be filled with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, everybody say, he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this 
my son was dead and now he's alive again he was lost and now he's found and they began to celebrate meanwhile the older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked them what was going on your brother has come home he replied and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never, and never, never did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who squandered all your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours, but we, we had to celebrate and be glad because this, your brother, was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. Jolene Horn is the writer of Christian magazines. She tells about reading her daughter the story of, of the prodigal son. And he reads, and she reads the story to her daughter, and she writes, while putting my four-year-old daughter to bed one evening, I read her the story of the prodigal son. We discussed how young this son was and how the young son was a foolish young son, and, and he squandered all of his father's inheritance as he left home. He lived up, and then he had nothing less, so finally, he couldn't eat anything, even in the pig slop. He went home to his father, who welcomed him when he finished. When she finished the story, she asked her daughter, what's the moral of the story? And the four-year-old daughter said, don't leave home without your credit card. <laughs> A modern twist to the story. <laughs> but this is an amazing story. This is a powerful story, and it has three major characters in the story. The first character is the father. The father is wealthy. The father is wise. The father is compassionate. The father is loving. The father loves both of his sons equally. The father has incredible insight. He's got incredible love. He has a desire to give his sons everything they ever wanted or needed. And the father in this story represents God. The second character in this story is the young son. Now, now the second son, the younger son, decides that he, he no longer wants to live at home. He thinks there's something better out there. He's always looked over the mountain and he saw the city with the lights and as he saw the city with the bright lights, he always, he always wondered if there was something in that city that could make him even happier than where he was. He heard about the wealth of that city and he thought to himself, if I could just get some of my father's inheritance, maybe I can play the lotto or hit the casinos and make even more money. See, you see, the truth is, he wasn't unhappy 
in his father's house, but he thought he could be even more happier out there. He had everything he ever wanted in his father's house, but somebody told him that he was missing out on something out there. He always had an urge to push the envelope and try new things, to explore new possibilities, live haphazardly, live dangerously. His father always warned him about the dangers of city life. His father always warned him about temptation and the worldly crowd. But there was always something deep down in his heart of hearts. He always wanted to be his own boss. He always wanted to write his own ticket. He always wanted to make his own decisions. The younger son really wanted one thing. He wanted freedom. He wanted freedom to do whatever he wanted to do, to get away from his father's control, to have everything he was longing to get, to be in charge of his life, to live where there was no rules and no regulations, no boundaries to party all the time and to have complete freedom. And the truth is, we are all like the younger son in our hearts. Some of us were a little bit more extreme than others, but all of us have a propensity. All of us have a temptation, an urge to be our own boss, to call the shots, to be our own God in our life, to make up our mind as to what is truth and what is not truth. What is reality and what's not reality? <laughs> We're all like the younger son. There's something in all of us that, that we know that in our father's house that there's safety. We know that in our father's house there's always going to be what we need, but not necessarily always what we want. We know that the father really knows what's best for our life. But there's another part of us as well that's always looking to run. It's, it's always looking to, to taste the, the apple. Just kind of take one bite to see maybe if our father is not telling us the whole story. You know what happened in the Garden of Eden. God said, when you eat of that apple, you're going to know what it's really like to be separated from me. It's just the way we are. Verse 12, the younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, now the father wasn't even dead yet. And this is the most dishonoring thing that a son could ever ask of his father. The, young, the younger son did the unthinkable. He wanted his father to sell everything and divide it up now. In other words, he wanted his inheritance. The only way that he could get his inheritance was for the father to actually sell off the property. For the father to make himself uncomfortable and give him what he demanded even though the father wasn't even dead yet. It was actually supposed to be reserved for when the father had died. In those days, the oldest son would get two-thirds of the share of the inheritance. And the younger son would get one-third. Or actually, if there were more than two sons, it would be divided up. But the older son would always get two-thirds. You know why? 
because the older son was supposed to always take care of the younger sons. The older son was supposed to look after the younger sons. The older son was to, to make sure to take some of his portion, the two-thirds, and use it for the benefit of his younger brothers. That's the way it was. That's the way it was, to preserve the family. He didn't get two-thirds because the father loved him more. He didn't get two-thirds because, you know, he was just lucky to be born first. He got two-thirds so that he would take the place of the father in the family. So the younger son says, Dad, I want, it. I want it now. I want you to divide everything up now. I want you to give him his two-thirds, and I want my one-third. The younger son was really saying to the father, I don't care about you. I don't care about our relationship. The younger son really didn't care about having a relationship with his father. All I really want is your money. All he really wanted is to get what he can get from his father. In fact, he was really treating his father like he was already dead. Now, in the Middle East culture, the son could have been severely punished for even asking that question. In fact, the son could have been stoned to death because he dishonored his father. But the father does something that was considered absolutely bizarre, absolutely crazy. To everyone around him, all his neighbors, all of his brothers, his relatives, maybe his parents, his co-workers, Everyone, when the father did what he did, it was considered absolutely bizarre. Because the father didn't punish the son. The father didn't even argue with the son. The father divides up everything that he has, and he gives his son one-third. He didn't try to preserve his estate. He didn't even try to, in any way, talk the son out of it. And he was putting the whole family out when he did this and putting the whole family at great financial risk. And so we know what happened. The father divides up the portion. And the truth is, many people in this world today, they say, why does God allow people to self-destruct? I mean, think about what the father did. The father didn't try to sit the son down and say, son, now listen, I know you have a propensity to be a wild person, but, but let me tell you what you're doing is so wrong. And I can't let you do this. I will not let you do this. I will not sell the, the estate and let you squander all of that. It's a mistake. I will not let you. No, 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 no. The father didn't say anything. He just went. He divided it up. And he gave it to the son, and the son walked away. And so many people ask the question, why does God allow evil in this world? Why does God allow people to choose to make wrong decisions in their life? Why? Because God has given all of us in this room a free will. That's the greatest gift that you've ever been given. A free will, whether or not you want to trust God, whether or not you want to believe that in your father's house, there's everything that you need. Whether or not you really want to love God from your heart, that's why God put the tree in the garden. That's why God said to Adam and Eve, don't touch the tree. Why? Because he had to give them free choice, free will. One of the greatest gifts you've ever gotten, free will. You choose. You decide, do you want me to be your God or not? You decide, do you want to live in your father's house or do you want to leave your father's house? 
So he recognized that his son would have to go out in hopes that his son would come to the realization that in his father's house, there was everything he needed and that he would come back home. Wow. He was, he was just simply giving the son what the son thought he really wanted in hopes that the son would realize that there was nothing out there that could ever compare to his father's house. Listen to me. Listen to me, young people. I know there's a lot of young people in this room today. <laughs> I grew up in this church. This is also my father's house. <laughs> and I grew up in this church, and when I was 15 years old, even though I knew that in my father's house there was everything I needed, there was peace and security. I knew that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I knew that God would always take care of me. My mama always told me, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord and he'll make your path straight. And man, I knew that the best place to be was in my father's house. But man, temptation pulled me away. And when I was 15 years old, from 15 to 19, I was living a wild life. Because I thought there was something better out there. And I know that there's some young people here today that you're being pulled away. Little by little, you're being pulled out of the house of God. Little by little, you're being pulled away from the family. You see, if the enemy can isolate you from the people that love you the most, he can deceive you the most. And I know it looks so tempting. I, I, I know that you feel like you're missing something. I know that you feel like you really want to be your own boss. But let me assure you, young or old, married or single, whoever you are, the world looks so attractive. But all that glitters is not gold, and all that looks good is certainly not good. And the Proverbs 14 says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it always leads to death. And my friend, the world will use you up. And when you have no more left... No more joy, no more money, no more emotional stamina, and you're bound and lost. The world will throw you to the curb and look for another searching soul looking for a good time and lacking the good sense to stay in their father's house. Verse 13 says, not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had and set off to a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need, but nobody would give him anything. After you spend everything you have, after you've tried really hard to find happiness in whatever, drugs, sex, partying, working, long hours, trying to become something in this life, and you exhaust all of your emotions, and the people that you trusted the most in your life will be the people that will throw you to the curb, like I said before, and give you nothing. Your soul will experience a famine, a famine of loneliness, a famine of spiritual poverty, a famine of hunger for something real, something deep, something genuine, something lasting, and something enduring. Listen to me. The price of leaving your father's house is too great. After he has spent it all, he had nothing left. But in your father's house, my friend, there's everything that you need. In your father's house, I promise you, there's joy that the world can never give you. In your father's house, there's peace that you can't even understand, that the world can never fabricate for you. 
In your father's house, there's eternal life. In your father's house, there's security, there's divine purpose, there's heavenly provision, and so much more. But, but notice verse 17. When he came to his senses, <laughs> I like that. When he came to his senses, when he realized, when, when, he was, when he had nothing left, and sometimes you've got to get to that point in your life where you're flat on your back, looking up, where you have nothing else to turn to, when you come to your senses and say, you know what? What in the world am I doing here? And I want to ask you a question. See, there's somebody in this room tonight. See, I've really prayed over this sermon. And you might say, what in the world does this sermon have to do with Christmas? Everything. This is what Christmas is all about. That God sent his servant down from heaven to look for you, to search for you, so that he could show you this is what life really looks like. This is what really life is about. I have come, Jesus, to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. And there's somebody in this room tonight. I don't know who it is. But there's somebody in this room tonight. You are really on the edge Maybe some of you are even just way out there. Some of you are, are doing drugs, man. Some of you are partying with your friends because somebody told you that that, that was going to be the thing that was going to bring you happiness. Some of you are just working. You're working like a dog and you have no time for God. You have no time for the things that really matter in your life. You're never home. You're never home. You're never home in your father's house. But tonight I'm praying that you might come to your senses to recognize it's, it's not too late to come to your senses. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. My friend, the truth is without God, nothing in life makes sense. Listen to me. Look at me again. Without God in your life, nothing makes sense. Suffering doesn't make sense without God's purpose in your life. Living in this world doesn't make sense without God in your life. Religion without a personal relationship with God doesn't make sense. Trying to survive without God doesn't make sense. Trying to find happiness and satisfaction in our life without God the Father doesn't make sense. Why? Because God created every single one of us in this room and every one of us down in the cafe and every one of us watching live stream. God created every one of us with a God-sized hole in our heart that can only be filled by our Father, our Daddy God. And you can keep running and you can keep trying and you can keep searching and searching and searching. But until you come home, there'll always be a hole in your heart. There'll always be a place where you're trying to fill it with something and people try to fill it with drugs and alcohol and overworking and, and anything and everything without God in, their, in the center of their life. They're still hungry. They're still thirsty. They're still desperate for something more. That's why verse 17 says, when he came to his senses... He said, man, I, I, I've sinned against my father, and I need to go back home to my father. So he comes to his senses in my father's house. There's all the food I need. There's all the comfort at home. There's all the security. There's everything that I really, really needed in my life. So he comes up with a plan. What's the plan? I'll, I'll go back home. I'll go back home. I'll go back home. Dad, would you open the door, Dad? 
Dad, I don't deserve to come in, Dad, but Dad, I sinned against you and I sinned against the whole entire family. I sinned against my older brother. I sinned against the the community. I, I sinned against God. Dad, Dad, and the truth is I'm not even worthy to be your son anymore, Dad. Lord, I'm not even worthy to be one of your servants in your home. I'll, I'll be a hired servant, Lord. Dad, I'll, I'll live somewhere else, and I'll come and work, and you'll just pay me something. And, but, but, Dad, you don't, you don't have to call me son because I'm, I'm not worthy to be your son. He had, he had this, this picture in his mind, this video that kept on playing over. I'll go back home. I'll knock on the door, and maybe, maybe, he'll open the, maybe he'll open the door. But the Bible says that when he started on his way, the father saw him far off, far off. Wow. Wow. Everybody say with me in the Greek. Wow. Everybody say with me in Spanish. Wow. Everybody say in Italian. Wow. Everybody say in Jamaican. Wow, man. I mean, just the implications of that, the implications. While he was far off, the father saw him. Oh, God. You may feel far off from God tonight, really far away but God still sees you. <laughs> he sees what's going on in your life. And the Bible says that while the son was making his way home, the father ran out. He ran out and he met him on his way home. You know what? That's a picture of Jesus coming down from heaven and meeting you right where you are. The, the wonder of Christmas, the power of Christmas is that God came down from heaven and met us where we are. God became a man, and while we were trying to make our way back home, God intercepted us. While we were trying to make our way back to the Father's house, God intercepted us, and he sent his only begotten son into this world. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. The word became flesh, and he met us where we were, and I want to tell you tonight, God will meet you right where you are tonight, right here, right now. And the Bible says the father ran and he, he, he embraced the son. And he said, bring me my robe. And he put a royal robe on his son. In gospel terms, he clothed him with the righteousness that only comes through Jesus Christ, hallelujah. He put a robe on him, and then he, then he said, and, and, and go get my ring, my signet ring. You know what a signet ring was? When, when you were entering into any kind of contract, there was a, a logo, there was an imprint on the ring, and they would make an imprint on the contract with the ring. And the father was saying, go get my ring and put it on his finger and seal the deal that he's still my son. That's what Jesus did when he sent the Spirit. The Bible says we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Wow, what an incredible God we serve. Come on, somebody, can you help me out today and say what an incredible God we serve. What a mighty God, what a loving God that we have. And then he took off shoes and he, he put his shoes on him signifying now he's worthy to walk into his house. 
And he said, go get, go get the fatted calf. Now look at me. Listen to me for a moment. Listen to me. Turn to your neighbor right now, and if they're falling asleep, slap them. Say, this is way too important for you to hear. Way too important. Listen, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. He said, go get the fatted calf. You know, in those days, they didn't eat meat. Meat was really expensive. Meat was really expensive. You don't kill the fatted calf unless something really, really special, important happens. Unless somebody really, really important and special comes home. And so he got the best fatted calf and he killed it. And he said, now we're going to celebrate. Why? Because my son was lost, but now he's found. He was blind, but, but now he, he can see. And they went into the house, and, and while they were celebrating, and they were partying. They were partying. They were partying. They were partying. The older son comes home from a hard day work. Man, that boy knew how to work. That boy knew how to obey. That boy knew how to impress everyone with his work. That boy knew how to do good work, hard work. He worked really hard all the time, sweating. He comes home, tired, hungry. He ain't never had a, a fatted calf. He ate. There you go. Man, you guys are a little slow tonight. I think the food has gone to your brain. All he had was pasta, fazul, arroz, campoyo. Because that's all they could afford. Never any beef. But now there's the fatted calf. And so he hears the partying going on. Partying going on. He says, what's going on in the house? And one of his servants said, hey, you know what happened? Your younger brother came home. Hey! What? That bum? That lousy bum? He took his father's money. He put us all at financial risk. The guy's out there with prostitutes, partying, shooting up, drugging up, drinking up, partying. What does he want from home? I ain't giving him no money. Ain't coming from me. I work for all my money. I'm a working man. I'm a responsible man. Oh, but your father, he's so thrilled that your brother is home. You got to see him. I've never seen him so happy. And my father is happy? Are you kidding me? I haven't seen my father smile in a long time. And he's happy that my brother's home? Yeah, and, 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 and you know what? Your father wants you to get cleaned up, put your best clothes on, put your skinny jeans on. Come on, you haven't worn in a little while. Mm? And come into the party because it's going to be fun. I will not, I, I will not come in the house. There's no way. Father... Son, son, you hear what's going on in there? Your brother, 
He's home. I know he went out and wasted a lot of money and all those things, but, but and he was so lost, but now, now he's found, and, and your brother is so repentant. I mean, I really believe that he's really sorry. He ain't sorry. Ain't no way he's sorry, and he don't deserve it. Son, come on in. Get cleaned up. We're going to have a party. No, Dad, I'm not. I'm not coming in the house. No way. And you know what? The sad thing about this story is you never know, never hear what happened to the older son. He never went in the house. Now let me ask you a question. Who's worse off? The younger son who was sorry or the older son who never really went in the house? You see, in this room today, there's two kinds of people here. And I'm, I'm getting ready right now to close it out. In fact, um, if the worship team, the singers will come out, it gives them hope that I'm, I'm finishing. <laughs> there you go. There's hope, see? He, he symbolizes hope. <laughs> two types of people in this room tonight. Look at me, would you please? Hi, Sarah. You look great tonight. Two kinds of people in this room. There's younger brothers in this room. You're far away from God. But God tonight, he surprised you. You came for Christmas Eve. You thought we were going to sing a couple of Christmas carols. Silent night or holy night. Joy to the world. And then you were going to go home and party. But God apprehended you. He surprised you. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Surprised you. Because he loves you so much. He loves you so much. That he's run out to get you tonight. And tonight he wants to put a robe on you. A robe called the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he wants to forgive you of everything you've ever done in your life. And he wants you to come home to his father's house. He wants you to come home. It's time tonight. Some of you have been running hard. You've been running long. You're running on empty. And you know it. Tonight, God says, I love you. And I want you to come home, son. Come home, daughter. It's time tonight to come home. But there's, a, but there's the older son. The older son symbolizes people that go to church all the time. They're religious people. In fact, in the context of this story, if you read the beginning of Luke chapter 15, Jesus is talking about the 99, that the good shepherd would leave the 99 to find the one. And then when they find the one, they celebrate. And then he talks about the fact that the Pharisees, the religious people, they were so angry because Jesus hung around sinners. They were so self-righteous because they thought that somehow they were better off than the people that were living in the street doing drugs because they were in the temple. And Jesus said, neither one of them were in their father's house. Neither one. 
So you could go to church every Sunday. You could sing in the choir. You could be a board member. You could be a pastor. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're not in your Father's house. Listen what my listen what Jesus said, and I'm going to close right here. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go away to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you might be also. So Christmas Eve is a wonderful time of celebration. Only, only if we, the family, are truly in my Father's house. Would you, would you pray with me right now? Bow your heads. Close your eyes. I'm talking to somebody tonight. Pretty different message tonight, huh? But it's the message the Holy Spirit gave me. And I need to be true to it. So I'm going to ask you a question. Jesus is preparing your house, your room, and his house. Are you ready to go? I mean, if he came right now to take you home, would you be ready to go? If not, what a great Christmas Eve it would be if you came home to your father's house said father forgive me for my sins be the lord of my life so let me make it easy for you here's how you can understand it a little better if you died today do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven you say pastor i don't know if i died today i'd go to heaven i i don't know for sure do you want to know jesus said for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life in his father's house. How many of you would like to have everlasting life in your father's house? Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, pray for me tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, you say, Pastor, pray for me tonight. I want to go home. Maybe you want to come home because you've been out there too long. Maybe you were in your father's house at one time and you left it. Or maybe you were never in your father's house and you need to go. Religion can't cut it. The older brother was religious, but he never, he never went in the house. Your house, God, your house is a house of grace. And we can't work for it. We can't earn it. The older son tried to earn his way into the house. And the father said to the son, son, all you had to do is ask. Everything that I have is yours, but you can't work for it, son. You're not a slave. You see, when we try to work for it, we, we treat God like a slave master and, and not a father. And that's what the oldest son treated his father like, a slave master. He thought, well, if I do these things, my father should just give it to me. And my father says, no way. The only way you get it is because I want to give it to you. All you have to do is ask. And so tonight, how many of you want to ask God? to be the Lord of your life, to be your heavenly Father, and give you entrance into his house. You say, Pastor, I'm not certain if I die today, I, I go to heaven. I want Jesus to let me into his house. I want my Father, my heavenly Father, let me into his house. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you right now. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you tonight. 
You say, Pastor, pray for me in the balcony. I want to be in my father's house. Raise your hand tonight. Say, yes, I don't know if I die today. I'd go to heaven. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Raise your hand. Anybody else in this place? Quickly, quickly. God bless you. Those little hands are precious, 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 precious. All right. You might say, yes, Pastor Steve, I'm religious, but I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus tonight. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and I want to have a personal walk with Jesus. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, yes, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Raise your hand. Yes, yes, all over this place. Yes, in the balcony, wherever you are, your, your, your religion can't save you. Only a relationship with Jesus can save you. Raise your hand. Anybody else? All right, would you all stand to your feet right now? Would you all stand to your feet right now? Praise the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to do something with me right now. I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor in a moment. And I'm going to ask you to ask them, if you die tonight, are you certain you'd go to heaven? If they say no, I want you to grab them by the hand and say, hey, we'll go together. Let's go to our Father's house together. And let's go into our Father's house and have eternal life. God loves you. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter how bad you've been in your past, God wants you to come home. Some, somebody in this room grew up in the church all their life. God's given you one last chance to come home. God's saying, come home tonight, son. Come home tonight, daughter. My arms are open wide. I want to heal you and restore you tonight. I want to redeem you, buy you back, and I want to throw a party in heaven for you so that you could have eternal life. I want you right now to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to be serious. And, and in a moment, I want you to step out of your seat. If you raised your hand, I want you to come down from the balcony. Maybe you're in the cafe. There's somebody in the cafe. Wherever you are tonight, you say, Pastor, I, I need Jesus to be my Savior. Or maybe you're a Christian, but you want to come home in the sense that you, you, you want to ask Christ to give you a, a new start, a new beginning in your life. You just know that you need to be on fire for God. I want you right now to turn your name and say, if you die today, do you know for certain you go to heaven? If they say no, I want you to grab them by the hand and say, let's go together, and I want you to meet me right here. Come on, meet me right here. Come meet me right here. Come on, quickly. Turn right now to your neighbor. Come on, ask your neighbor, and come meet me right now. If you raise your hand, come out of your seat. Come meet me right now. Come on. Come start coming right now. Say, yes, Lord, I want to give my life to Jesus. If you raised your hand, you come and give your life to Jesus tonight. Come on. Come on, you just come and give your life to Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You just come and give your life to Jesus tonight. There's nothing better. People coming home to their father's house tonight. People are coming home to their father's house tonight. You say, I want to come home to my father's house tonight. Anybody else that need to come tonight? You say, yes, Lord. You say, you know, I've been religious. I've been religious, and I need a relationship with Jesus. You just come right now. Come out of your seat and come to your father tonight. And say, yes, Lord, I give my life to you tonight, Lord God. Hallelujah. Would you, sing, would you sing this song with me, everybody in this room? Oh, come, let us adore him. Amen. How many of you are glad tonight that you are in your Father's house because of what Jesus did? Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Come on, say, I'm in my Father's house. Come on, say, I love you, Father. I love you, Daddy God. Would you raise your hands right now and sing with us? Oh, come, let us adore him.
you need to come, just come tonight. If you need to come tonight, you come tonight. You come tonight. Come on, sing it with your hands stretched towards heaven. If you need to come tonight, you still come. You come tonight, say yes. I want to give my life to God tonight. In the balcony, you come.